Welcome to A Slob Comes Clean, the podcast. I'm Dana K. White. I blog over at aslobcomesclean.com. That's where I share my personal deslobification process as I figure out ways to keep my own home under control. I share the truth about cleaning and organizing strategies that actually work for real people in real life, people who don't love cleaning and organizing. Thanks for joining me today. I am also the author of two books. How to Manage Your Home Without Losing Your Mind, and Decluttering at the Speed of Life. And I also have other products, and one of them I wanted to tell you guys about is 14 Days to Opening Your Front Door to Guests. I mean, like, this is going to come out on October 31st of 2019. That means tomorrow is November 1st. Um, So for the month of November, I am putting this ebook on sale. It's 14 Days to Opening Your Front Door to Guests. Um, With the code NOVEMBER, it will be $5. If you want that, just go to aslobcomesclean.com slash one four, like the number 14. I also want to make sure that you know that I have plenty of other free resources for helping you get your home ready for the holidays. Okay. Um, so I have multiple podcasts. I think there's a two-parter called How to Clean a Messy House and Get It Ready for Guests, or just How to Clean a Messy House. I have a blog post on that with a real simple printable checklist. Um, I have two other posts where I go through the 14-day process, two other podcasts where I talk through that. I think it's maybe two years ago in November that I did that. Actually, it'll be three years ago because I think it was a pre-order bonus for my first book. Anyway, can't believe it's been three years. Uh, but just so you know, all of those things are there with the goal for you to be able to kind of get through all of that feeling of overwhelm, because I get it. Like I get the whole idea. I, at one point in my life set aside, I, I think I did nothing that fall. Like from the time school started until Thanksgiving, I said no to everything. Cause I was like, well, I'm having Thanksgiving at my house. And now I look back and I go, well, that's a little embarrassing that I said that to people. Um, because they were probably thinking, I'm sorry, what, why do you have to block off three months to be ready for Thanksgiving? Uh, but I did because that's the state that my home was in. That was before I started the, um, a slob comes clean. So it's been over 10 years now, but this is my process. And in 14 days to opening your front door to guests, in that, I talk you through the entire process. Um, I have all these different worksheets for you to be ready, okay? Part of the 14-day thing is you adjusting for whatever state your home is actually in, okay? So it does. it's not 14 days to having a perfect home. It's 14 days to being willing to not hide when the doorbell rings, okay? So that that's the point of that. So the, the ebook part is laid out in a certain format. And I was just thinking about when I kind of was looking at it and going, okay, let me make sure I've got my coupon code and everything set up. Uh, and this is a little thing just for my people to understand. I know this feels like it's still part of the advertisement, but it's not. It's just something I want to think about. Um, so the actual image that you see for the ebook, 14 Days to Opening Your Front Door to Guests, is like a kind of a cartoony thing. And it's got somebody like kind of peeking out the front door, nervous, you know, like, I don't know that I want to let somebody come in. And then when you actually get the ebook itself, the image that it has at the beginning of the ebook inside the ebook is this beautiful entryway with like this muted color and these, this white furniture, and it's all like completely clutter free. Anyway, and it just made me think about why it is that I do what I do. So the reason for that discrepancy there, the reason that it's two different images is when I first put the ebook out, it was like a 
it was a pre-order bonus for my people who were purchasing my very first book. Okay. Those people who pre-ordered it got it free. Next time I write a book, I'll do some pre-order bonuses. So don't be sad if you didn't get it. But anyway, that was there. And I think my publisher gave like slap. I mean, I'm telling you, it was awful. It's not a cover that you'll see anywhere, but it was like they slapped together some sort of a cover. I'm using the quote marks um, and it was awful. So that was not a thing. Um, But then when I included it in the ultimate homemaking bundle, which is this thing that comes around uh, once a year. Anyway, when I included it, then they, you know, I kind of had to adjust things within it and stuff to be included in there. And they, I didn't have that a nice cover. And so they were like, here, we made a cover for you. And I went, oh, okay, well, that is not my style. And that what I'm talking about there is the beautiful cover, like the one with the completely clutter free entryway. And anyway, but what's funny is there was and she's a good friend now. So I won't say who it is. But there was somebody who was like this huge mega star, basically, not Joanna Gaines. Okay, don't worry. But somebody who compared to me is a huge mega star. And um, I didn't know her yet. And she had said online, um, I had noticed that she had uh, talked about the, my ebook as part of the bundle, you know, cause she was selling it too. And so, uh, she was saying, Oh, I just really love, you know, this ebook. And I especially love the cover. And it kind of made me cringe. Cause I was like, well, but that cover doesn't represent what's inside the book. You know, like the ebook was dealing with, if you are completely and totally overwhelmed, I can help you. And that, book cover of a perfect, completely clutter-free, beautiful, peaceful entryway, in my mind, for the desperate person, which is the perspective I'm coming from, okay, because that's where I used to be, those beautiful, and I'm just going to say it, typical type covers like that don't appeal to me. Because I used to look at covers like that and think, that person doesn't understand what I'm going through. That perfect cover. And and when I wrote my, you know, real books, my traditionally published books, my one thing I really insisted on with the covers was I do not want a cover that shows some beautifully, perfectly organized, clutter-free space. Because even though, of course, the point of it is to get to that point, or at least get closer to that point, Seeing that does not reach the person that I'm actually here for. I am not for the person who just needs a little tweaking and then things are going to be perfect. I am here for the person who is completely overwhelmed and they need to see overwhelm on the cover anyway. And it's okay. And then I'll just say, (laughs) so this friend who we're totally friends now, before we were friends had talked about my like real books and the comment, because she didn't know me at the time, but the comment was, she was like, these are the best books. Like she just loves them. And she said, I almost didn't read them because I really don't like the covers. And I don't get offended. Just so y'all know, don't be offended for me. Cause I, I don't get offended over stuff like that because it was true. I mean, and I think what the point was her audience is not the type of audience that responds to the covers of my book. So like on decluttering at the speed of life, it shows like a cluttered closet, but it's in all pretty colors. And then on the other one, it's my face peeking up over a dirty stack of dirty dishes, looking overwhelmed. But what I found so, like I said, I don't get offended at all. And we're very good friends now. But my goal is not to reach the people who respond to the pretty covers. 
it's not that I don't want to reach those people. And it's not that those people that I don't have a lot of those people who have benefited from and, you know, become good friends and said, Oh my goodness, this is just what I needed. Because there's a lot of stuff out there for those people. I am here for those of us who see that, who see the beautiful cover of the perfectly clutter-free area. And that makes us feel hopeless. Like I'm here for the person who needs to know that somebody gets it. That is a lot of me talking about what seems like an ebook, but really what I'm talking about is that's why I'm here. That's why I do this podcast. That's why I still call myself a slob comes clean, even though it would be really nice to just switch everything over and get rid of that name. But I'm here because the people who need me need to know they're not alone. All right. You're not alone. I promise you. If this is your first podcast you've ever listened to of mine, go back and listen to some other ones. If you're like, she can't possibly understand, I can almost guarantee you that I can. Okay. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. All right. But anyway, this is podcast number 227. And I think I'm going to call it babies, kids and pets. I am in the middle of kind of a self-imposed deadline because that's how I roll. I really love the self-imposed deadlines. And I'm trying to get a whole bunch of stuff done. And I kind of was not in a brain space to, um, you know, come up with a podcast topic. Uh, so I went to some questions that I had answered over on Instagram. I'm at a slob comes clean on Instagram. If you want to follow me there, I had asked this question. I think it was back like in February or March or something like that. Just, Hey, you know, give me some ideas for podcast topics. And, um, so I had a spreadsheet of those. I did not mark the questions that I'd already answered. And I don't think I've answered these, but it makes me a little nervous. We'll see. Uh, anyway, and I pretty quickly, you know, found a few that kind of went together, babies, kids, and pets. I'm not sure if I'll get to the pets one or not, but we'll see. Okay. So first question is kind of just a phrase, not a full question, but it says prepping the current deslobifying home for a new baby. Here's my interpretation of this one. Uh, first of all, I feel really bad because I'm pretty sure this person's already had their baby because this question was answered asked quite a long time ago. But for those of you who aren't there, I mean, those of you who are in this at the moment, this is for you. Here's the thing is it's kind of like the whole idea behind 14 days to opening your front door to guests. A big part of that is let's identify what's important. Let's identify which spaces in the home are necessary for us to be able to achieve the goal that we want to achieve. And that goal is to let people in the front door. So what's the goal here? The goal is to bring the baby home and to be able to do the things that I need to be able to do as a mama. Now, a little bit of my story, my oldest child is 13. Uh, oldest, sorry. My youngest child is 13. So my the last time I had a baby, I was actually in a very bad slob place and I was not in the midst of deslobifying, not that I wasn't trying. I was trying very unsuccessfully at multiple different things I can remember. 
trying a whole new method of how I was going to manage my home. I think it was the week before she was born. Anyway, uh, but I brought her home to a transitional home, which was a rent house that our house had been on the market, but we had gone ahead and moved to the town where we live now. We had rented a house while our house was waiting to sell. Our house had finally sold the minute that it sold. I mean, literally, it feels like it was the exact minute that it sold every house in the town where we were living that would possibly work for us sold and we couldn't get it. So like there was nothing. We were literally just waiting for a house to come on the market that could possibly meet our needs. So it was it was kind of a time where I was already very frustrated with my home. Um, because it was a transitional kind of a thing, we had brought all of our stuff. And because I knew that this wasn't my final home, I hadn't unpacked. I had just left it in boxes thinking, oh, well, why in the world would I get rid of anything now? Because I'm not even in my real house yet. And that was a big part of my problem. Anyway, uh, so I brought my daughter home to a house that was completely, the garage was completely and totally full. We couldn't even walk through it. There was my eBay room back when I did eBay. Um, and that logically would have been the, the nursery, except that the eBay room was really important to me. And my two boys shared a bedroom and then my husband and I had a room and we put her in the closet in our room, you know, so she was just right there in a bassinet. I think we were there until she was, so she was born in April and we moved here at the end of June. So y'all do the math, April, May, June, about three months old. So we were there for about three months like that. And so I'll tell you what I did, and then I'll tell you how I would adjust that for now. So at the time, uh, we rented a storage unit. We moved everything because at the, before she came home, and when I was wanting to be in a nesting phase and couldn't, there were boxes stacked, lined up in our living room. So not only was the garage full, not only was there an eBay room, there was no open wall space because there were boxes stacked everywhere because I really didn't think it was going to take from December when the house sold until April. Um, well, later than that, I didn't think it was going to take another six months to be in my house in my real house. And so I thought it was temporary. Well, then she was getting close to coming and I was like, I cannot, I cannot do this. I, I, I can't do this. And I was about to go crazy. So we rented a storage unit and we got the stuff out of the living room. Because I was trying to come up with the bare minimum space that I needed. I needed to be able to move around in the living room and I needed to be able to move around in the master bedroom. So I got the master bedroom, extra stuff out and the stuff in the um, living room. How would I do that differently now? Well, I would count those spaces that I felt like I needed count the spaces that you feel like you need to be able to function with a newborn as your visible areas. Okay. Now, part of that is legit visibility because people come and visit when you have a newborn. They just do. Now, they're very understanding of things, but my level of slobbishness required a whole nother level of understanding from people. So I wasn't willing to put myself out there like that. But, you know, clearing out the living room so that they could come over. Well, what would I do differently now? I would as best I could with the time that I had, like if you're two weeks from having the baby, we're in a different situation here. 
than if you're three months out. Okay. When you have people say, Hey, is there anything I can do to help? This is what you do. You focus on these visible areas instead of nesting by cleaning the floorboards nest by sticking with the visibility rule. You know, what are the spaces that people are going to see when they walk into my house? And then as best as you possibly can use the decluttering process on those spaces. Okay. Now for most people, it is not going to be boxes stacked up along the wall like it was for me. Okay. But even if it is, Go with the most visible stuff first. Start with trash. Have your have your supplies because you are in a situation where physically you're not able to do the things that you were always able to do. You know, which I have other podcasts on, you know, when you're dealing with a chronic illness, which pregnancy is not a chronic illness, but you know, come on. Um, sometimes some days it feels like it is, you know, when you're just not able to do physically what you used to be able to do or what you kind of in your mind think you can do. And then you start doing it and you realize, yeah, I can't do that anymore. So going with the whole progress and only progress, not getting yourself into a situation where you end up worse off than you were before and discouraged and not even wanted to try again. You know, realize I am only going to make progress. So you have your black trash bag, you have your donatable donate box that's on the floor. And then when somebody comes in to help you, then part of what they can do is lift that big uh, box, you know, but you're not lugging around the box. You've just got there. You're doing, you know, everything has a home as soon as it can. I mean, as soon as you pull it out one item at a time and you're able to do that. Now I know physically you can't always go to the other side of the house, but remember fill up your arms with everything that you're going to make in that one trip, but don't make piles. Don't make piles. Okay. So start with visibility in the spaces where baby needs to be, which would be the spaces where people are going to come visit you. And then the baby's actual space. Okay. Sometimes, and I think this is probably more common than not for people who truly struggle the way that I did is focusing on baby's room, you know, focusing on what kind of a space does baby have, I could have done better on the eBay room. I, I could have, I wasn't mentally ready yet for that. Um, but I'll just say it is one of the biggest regrets that I have. And she's fine. She doesn't remember. The boys vaguely remember, but it makes my heart just kind of sink every time I think about that stage of life and how my clutter issues caused that problem. But, you know, focusing on that. So narrowing it down to which spaces do I need to focus on and narrowing it down and focusing on those spaces according to which spaces are going to be used for this specific purpose. And also, you know, keeping up with the dishes. Maybe that means for a, a period of time, you use paper plates. Maybe that means whatever, but you remembering what are the things that matter? Let me use my limited energy that I have on the things that are going to make the biggest impact. Okay. It is more important for you to keep your dishes done than anything else. Well, except for feed the baby once the baby comes, but you know what I mean, right? Um, but as you're going through this process, keep up with the dishes and then with any extra energy, uh, you know, go with the whole visibility rule and focusing in on that. I hope that makes a little bit of sense. And you know, it's the same thing for everything. It's the same thing for all situations that you find yourself in, you know, identifying what are the areas that I need to focus on in order to accomplish this goal that I want to accomplish, because it is the natural thing for people like me 
people like us to have a big goal, to see the current state of our home and to go, oh my goodness, there's so far to go. And then to just get completely overwhelmed and paralyzed or fixate on something that doesn't actually matter. Fixate on something that feels like, oh, I can control cleaning out the TV cabinet and getting rid of all the VHS tapes that I should have gotten rid of 10 years ago when we got rid of our VHS player, VCR, VHS player, (laughs) whatever they're called now. (laughs) Anyway, but that, that's where my brain goes. It's like, okay, I feel like I can, I have a little more control over this confined space, getting rid of VHS tapes. When in reality, I need to spend that same amount of energy on the space where baby's going to need to sleep on the space where I'm going to need to be able to go to feed the baby, you know, and be able to sit, whatever. It's that mindset thing. And it's that breaking it down and going, let me identify what's important. And let me focus first on doing what I need to do to get that space done. Got it. Our sponsor today is trustandwill.com. With trustandwill.com, estate planning is simplified. Spending just a few minutes online, you can gain peace of mind, protect your assets and your family. So a little bit um, of what my family and friends and community have gone through over the past three to four years that made me very glad for this opportunity to tell you about trustandwill.com. So in a quick count, like literally just off the top of my head, and I know there've been more, we've had like five people in our lives who were right around our age, meaning my husband and I, who've passed away in the last three to four years. And that does not include four more that I can think of who were a little bit older than us. And three of the ones that came to mind of the ones our age were completely unexpected. So it's been kind of a rough period of time in our community. But um, I mean, these are, you know, from people that we talked to when we saw them to people that I worked closely with to one of my husband's very best friends. We've pretty much had all of our delusions that we are guaranteed any kind of time uh, stripped away from us. And walking through the aftermath with a friend has shown just how important it is to have things in place. Okay, so thanks to trustandwill.com, you can finish in 10 minutes completely online and they have people available instantly to answer your questions. It's really easy, like I've done it, to create your trust or will. I know this is a stressful thing, but my very favorite thing about trustandwill.com's process is that many of the answer choices identify one of the answers as most common or something like that. You guys, I'm an overthinker. Y'all know that you listen to my podcast. So I love knowing that there aren't trick questions. Do it for your family. Do it for your loved ones. Guardianships start at $39, wills $69, and trusts $399. And they are offering guardianships, wills, and trusts in all 50 states. Take 10% off by going to trustandwill.com slash clean or entering promo code clean at trustandwill.com. Yes, my listeners can take 10% off by going to trustandwill.com slash clean or entering promo code clean at trustandwill.com. Then we had another question. That's the kids part of it. Tips for teaching very small children to clean. So, you know, I started 
this process when my kids were three, five, and seven. Uh, my daughter was at home. You know, basically I worked on my own working on cleaning first, and then I brought the kids in on that kind of stuff. And one of the things that I believe with little, little kids is it's really important to bring them in on the family cleaning together, like, or, you know, clean alongside mom so that you can be there to direct and redirect and keep them on task and all that kind of stuff. Um, Plus it just makes it a more fun thing because they're at that age, they enjoy doing things with mom. But one of the things is to look for tasks that they can do where they see the visible progress. Seeing visible progress is important for me too. And it's important for very small children. Whatever that says about me, I don't know, but it's true. It's harder for young kids to understand the point of wiping down the bathroom counter that already looks clean to them. So I'm saying, you know, because in that case, they're just going to kind of run something over there and they're like, well, it looks the same as it did before, where you are fully aware of, okay, you know, I'm watching to see where it's wet now because I know that that's going to disinfect or whatever it is that you're doing. But for small children, they need to do so jobs like throwing away the trash, you know, picking up the trash, picking up the clothes off the floor. Oh, you don't have clothes in, on the, your floor. Why are you listening to this podcast? Anyway, just those types of things. If you're outside, you know, like leaves or dusting, dusting is great for kids. Um, as long as they don't have bad allergies, use your Swiffer because that will help with that. But as you, uh, you know, a, a space that is visibly dusty, you can show them, but also remember that anytime you're dealing with kids, it's a matter of teaching, you know, and, and I think that's where it can be frustrating is you're like, have you not watched me do this before? And I mean, how many times have you, your kid, you've seen that your kid was imitating something you were doing and they're just kind of, you know, waving the duster around because they haven't paid attention to the actual method that you're going through. So remember that it's your job to teach them that, to actually like show them the process, show them what to look for. Look here, start at the top and, you know, go down and look how you can see the dust here. And the more you go, that dust is gone and that becomes part of it. So I think that that is, you know, key for kids is looking for jobs that show visible progress so that they can see the point of what it is that they're doing and bringing them in on it and making sure that you're teaching them. Decluttering with kids ages five to 10 with or without them. Either way, do what you want to do. For real, I mean it when I say either way, because some, it kind of depends on the time, you know? My kids loved it when they were younger and their rooms would get blah, crazy out of control. They were thrilled when they would come home from school and I had completely gotten it put back together. And even when I decluttered a ton of stuff, gotten rid of a ton of stuff, they loved walking into, oh, my room looks so great. It feels so great. You know, now they're at a place where they're older. We have decluttered their rooms so many times um, and they've grown out of a lot of different things that their rooms are, are their rooms, you know, to, to kind of deal with and they're a whole lot better than they used to be. But yeah, so that sneak attack of, you know, kind of surprising them with a decluttered room, my kids love it, but you also know your kids and there are some kids who can't handle that. I do think, and I think it's important to always to do this at certain points, even if you don't always do it. And that is to declutter with them, to go through the process. So in decluttering at the speed of life, um, and I have other podcasts on it as well that are free, obviously, but in decluttering at the speed of life, I talk through using my five-step decluttering process with 
kids, like actually decluttering with them and going through that process with them. And I think that that's really important. I think it's important to have them see how the process works, you know, start with the trash, help them identify that trash instead of just let's go first pick up something in our room, make a decision about it. No, let's get the trash out of there first and use your camera on your phone. Just make sure you delete it before your mother-in-law looks at your pictures, but, um, take a picture before you get started and then take a picture after you've gotten rid of the trash and let them swipe back and forth and see the impact of just that one step. Okay. Because, you know, it's hard enough for us as adults to have an actual memory of how bad it was five minutes ago before I got started. And it helps us. I mean, I recommend that for everybody to take those, you know, five minute increment pictures or, you know, step-by-step increment pictures so that you can see, wow, I am really making an impact just by what I'm doing here which then encourages you to keep going. Show those pictures to your kid and make them see, wow, we made a huge difference in five minutes. You know, if you want to turn it into a game of, hey guys, we're going to throw away trash for five minutes. All right. Throw away as much trash as you can. Um, I have a friend who used to hand her kids dusters and whoever got their duster the dirtiest won the game. You know, I mean, so something similar to that on your the trash phase of it. If you have more than one kid in there or competing with you and the kid, you know, those types of things will help them work through that process. You know, so it's, it's good to break that down. Again, my decluttering process works really well with children. And for me, I I'm telling you there's, there's something there anyway. So, you know, the next step is the easy stuff. So it's, we're not worrying about difficult decisions at this point. We're just saying, you know, what in here already has a home established. It's just not there for whatever reason and putting that away. And then that reduces that overall volume of the mess, which then reduces that feeling of being overwhelmed. Okay. So the answer to the question, should you declutter with or without them is yes, just declutter. If they're there, declutter with them. If they're not there, declutter without them. Because here's what really happens for me when I get too hung up on questions like that and I know I have in the past, is I would look at the room and think, wow, I actually have some time today. I could go work in their room, but wouldn't I be a better mom if we decluttered together? I would be able to teach them what I needed to teach them if we would declutter together. So I'm going to wait. And then guess what I'd never thought of doing after they got home from school or back from grandma's or wherever? Decluttering. I just never thought about it. And so then we went on and it didn't happen when I maybe had the focus and the time and the energy to do it before. Or we have the focus and the time and the energy or your kid says, oh my goodness, my room's such a mess. And you think, well, I guess we could get going on this. And you think, oh man, it's so much easier when they're not here. I'm going to wait till sometime when they're not here. And then there's a time when they're not there. And you know what I don't think about? Decluttering. You know what I don't feel like doing? Decluttering. Okay. So that the answer is yes whatever situation that you're in, use it. Because even if you don't make a ton of progress, if you make any progress, you're better off than you were before. Got it? Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. All right. Next. Oh, how do you deslobify pets? <laughs> this made me laugh. Um, teach them to pick up their toys. No, um, I am not a dog expert. Okay. Which it's funny because somebody, um, I had written in my newsletter, which you should get on my newsletter, slopkimsclean.com slash newsletter about, uh, something, I don't remember what it was, but something I mentioned our dog trainer and somebody was, and I'm, I'm that my dog is crazy <laughs> because she is. And they said, are you sure it's your dog? That's crazy. Or it's not the dog trainer. And I was like, oh yeah. Cause people get really worked up over dog trainers. I just want to be clear that we go to the dog trainer. Like it's me and Cinder going to the dog trainer and work. So she's not just like, I don't send her off to be trained. She, and I'm just going to be honest. It's me that gets trained, not her. Like she's great. She does everything he tells her to do. But with me, she's like, mm, mama, I'm not for sure you have this under control. So I'm going to take control. Um, anyway, so her, her issue, she's amazing with our family, but she just doesn't really like strangers very much anyway. So just to be there. So I am not like this major dog expert. Okay. I'm also somebody who struggles with cleaning. So anyway, how do you deslobify pets? Well, I have a little, um, and I'll try to put this in the show notes, but I usually forget. I have a very ugly doormat by my back door and it is advertised as one of those, and I got it on Amazon, but it's advertised as one where if the dog just steps on it, their feet are completely and totally clean, um, which is not true, but it does work better than a normal doormat. Okay. So I have been, you know, glad to have that there. The reason it's ugly is that was the only color that they had it in when I ordered it. I don't know if I did the right thing or not, but anyway, so they come in. So I have that mat right inside. And, and, you know, the main issue for me is when it's raining outside, which always seems to happen right after my house is clean. But anyway, so I let them in that's, I let them in one at a time because they are very naughty. If the other dog is being, is having to sit still, then the dog who isn't having to sit still at the moment tends to be very naughty and try to tease the one that has to sit still. Anyway, so I do one at a time. Um, my little dog, I just wrap her up in a towel and get her completely dry. So we have taught her and it wasn't easy in the beginning, but we've taught her to stay on that mat and let me get her dried off. My big dog wrapping her up in a towel doesn't really work because she's a big dog. Uh, but she does know she has to sit on that thing. Now my little dog has to go in her crate while my big dog is, is getting dried off because the little dog's the naughty one. Anyway, they're both naughty, but they're great. Um, so Cinder sits on the, the mat and I get her as cleaned off as I can. And then depending on how wet she was, she has to go in her crate until she's completely dried off. Because at that point, you know, she's fine. I just, I cannot stand the muddy all over everywhere anyway. So she has to go in her crate until she's in there. Now, obviously if you're not, if you don't do crates, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, you know, our dogs are inside dogs, but they go, you know, outside in the morning, they get to go out there and play for an hour or whatever. And, uh, if we're not home, 
Um, if it's a beautiful day, they get to be outside. Well, sometimes it starts raining on a beautiful day and they end up all raining. Uh, I mean, all wet and nasty, but so those are the main things. The other issue is hair. Uh, hair is not fun. German shepherds shed like nobody's business. It's ridiculous. Uh, I have now realized that we've been through a full year that there are times where it's worse than others and times where it's better than others. I like my Swiffer a lot. Uh, this is not sponsored by them. I'm just telling you that I really do. They have some specifically like pet formulated, uh, Swiffer dry sweeping cloths. And the reason I like those is I can get into weird places and, you know, their crates are where there's just a ton of hair around it. And yes, I can vacuum that up, but I, I can't always get back in there. And the Swiffer is just great for a quick little clean. Um, but because they kind of swivel on the end of the rod thingy, whatever it is, um, it's because they swivel and they'll kind of turn up on their side and I can get them kind of into difficult places. And I'm talking about the Swiffer Sweeper. I also do have a, it's not a Roomba. This is not sponsored. I bought it with my own money. It's called a Eufy, E-U-F-Y. I'm not for sure that I'm going to say this is the best thing, best thing that's ever happened to me, but I do love it. And it's a, um, it's like a robot vacuum and it does not pick up as strongly as a regular vacuum on dog hair. But when I run it, I can tell a huge difference. And so it's kind of one of those things where I'm like, man, if I would run this every day, if I would ever think to run it every day, if I would have my floors picked up to the point where I felt like I could run it every day, uh, it would make a huge difference. And it does make a difference when I run it, if, if that makes any sense. And I run it, I, I try to do it three times a week. And you know, some weeks I do it more and some weeks I do it less. But that is uh, very helpful on the overall dog hair thing. And then, you know, as far as the couch, I don't have, oh, your dogs don't sit on the couch. Mine didn't used to either, but now they do because I like to snuggle. Anyway, honestly, I, I mean, I buy the, I think they're like five or six pack of the big rolly fur, fur remover tape type things at Costco. And I have looked at another fur removing tool that does not involve tape. So, you know, that way it will be something that, you know, doesn't have to be replenished and it has really good reviews, but I haven't bought it yet. So I'll let you know when I do. Anyway, I don't know that I'm an expert on that, but those are the things that, that I've done. And I think, I think having this stuff out and available, you know, like having my Swiffer super accessible because I'll just be honest, I don't necessarily notice it until, oh my goodness, somebody's coming over and oh my goodness, I need to do a quick, you know, sweep up here in the living room of the dog hair, you know, having that stuff kind of out and accessible is very helpful. So I hope that helps at all. I would love to hear because I know there are a lot more expert dog owners than me out there in existence in our audience. Okay, I just want to remind you guys before I go that we do have a super lovely Patreon community. Okay. I'm just going to say something real quick. I think I mentioned the Disney um, group that I'm in that is horrible last year. I mean, last week or one of the weeks before. And oh my goodness, those people are just the meanest. It's, it's kind of awful. Anyway, I realized that there's a forum with a Disney group, uh, a Disney thing that I actually pay for. Like I pay for planning software or something. And there's a forum with that. And I went, oh, those people 
are amazingly nice in this forum. So I've gotten to where I like to check out that forum to kind of get ideas and learn things about Disney planning. Because in that group, everybody's really nice. And in the group that's free Facebook group, people are horrible. Anyways, I don't know if there's a relationship there, although I think there probably is. But the people in the Facebook group that you can be invited to if you are a patron of this show at the $5 or more level a month um, are really kind. Like they're the most lovely people for real. I love them. I love you guys. Yeah. Anyway, this is awkward now, but just letting you know that if you would like to figure out what it means to be a patron of the show um, at the $5 a month level so that you can be invited to that super secret Facebook group, uh, go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash a slob comes clean. Okay. I'll talk to you guys later. Bye.